Hey, parents and little adventurers. Ever wondered where hot dogs come from? Dive into a world of wonder with the new children's book about cellular agriculture. Cellular agriculture? What's that? It's the science behind tomorrow's foods. Discover the journey of a family barbecue in a way that's fun, educational, and downright tasty. Grab your copy of Where Do Hot Dogs Come From? on Amazon today. Yum! The future sounds so delicious. Curious for more? Visit www.hotdog.fyi. Happy reading! Thanks for joining us on the Cultured Meat and Future Food Podcast. We're excited to have Benjamina Bullog and Stephanie Wallace as the guests for today's episode. The first time we're interviewing two guests at once. Before we get started, I want to give a quick shout out to Radical Snacks. They're giving us 20% off through October if we use the coupon code FUTUREFOODS. Check out their snack bars at radicalsnacks.com. That's R-A-D-I-C-L-E snacks.com, the botanical spelling of radical. The Cultured Meat Symposium is a one-day event in downtown San Francisco on November 1st. Learn more about the Cultured Meat Symposium at cms18.com. Benjamina has a master's in chemical engineering from Imperial College. She has experience in fragrance and flavoring, 3D printing, and digital marketing at PepsiCo's joint venture with Strauss Group. More recently, she founded a company selling portable chargers to companies including Four Seasons, Ritz, and the Intercontinental. Stephanie is passionate about solving big problems. She earned her PhD at the University of Bristol, working on the development of induced pluripotent stem cell models of Alzheimer's disease. She has nearly a decade of experience with stem cell biology and differentiation. Prior to her PhD, Stephanie worked in a biotech startup specializing in the development and supply of an innovative in vitro bioincubator, QuasiVivo. She also has business development experience and holds degrees in neuroscience and stem cells and regeneration. Benjamina and Stephanie, I'd like to welcome you both to the Cultured Meat and Future Food Podcast. Thanks for having us. Great, thanks for having us. We're really excited to hear about your company, Higher Stakes, and really what it'll be contributing to the clean meat industry. Can you tell us a little bit about yourselves and how you met and really how Higher Stakes got started? You heard a bit about our bios previously. And so I was working on a different startup where we were importing portable chargers and customizing them, selling them to large hotel chains. And I got a little tired of working without a big mission. And I also kind of missed um, using my scientific side. So that's when I joined an accelerator called Entrepreneur First. And within there, I got introduced to Clean Meat. And I was just absolutely fascinated by the impact it could have. And for me, it was really that it wasn't just an impact on one subject, but kind of bringing it so many important things together. And I also, I grew up being passionate about tech and science and being absolutely obsessed with food, but I never really thought I could put them together and have such an impact in the world. So that aspect also really appealed to me. So I started working on higher stakes around December and I started working on it with a professor called David Hay, who's our scientific director. He's a chair of the tissue engineering department in Edinburgh. And later, Stephanie joined us as a CSO. So 
I, yeah, I brought on Stephanie and maybe I'll let Stephanie, if you want to add maybe something about what brought you in into Kalimid and what uh, appealed to you. I finished my PhD, which focuses on using stem cell models, model Alzheimer's disease and frontotemporal dementia. Those are two types of diseases that affect lots of people, especially Alzheimer's disease. I've always loved the idea of using stem cells and sort of futuristic types of technologies to solve problems. The health of people is, is a problem that affects a lot of people and clean meat is a solution that can help to solve those problems. So the wide impact of it and the fact that it is a big problem to solve and you can solve it using futuristic technologies, that's what appealed to me. Great. And why do you think that the world really needs to consume clean meat? And more specifically, what are your personal motivations behind it? Uh, and a lot of people are in this because of the environment, animal welfare, health. What are the personal motivations for you two? I think for me, it's hard to choose which one. I think it's really the fact that it's a mixture that's so unique with clean meat. Most subject that you'll go into will have either the health or the environment or the animal welfare, but it will rarely really have those three like so strongly together. So I think that's the biggest appeal. I have a slight tendency around the environment, but that's just from my chemical engineering degree. But for me, it's really the fact that it's those three so strongly together that was appealing. And the reason I think people really need clean meat is I don't believe, and I'm happy to be proved wrong, but I really, I don't believe that the world will go vegan and that it will be a drastic change because I think people don't change their habits and you have to find a way where you can mimic that habit. And I think fully mimicking that habit will be through clean meat rather than plant-based. Um, and I think especially that clean meat, we want to get to a stage where we don't require all the saturated fats and all the salts that will have to be added when you're working with plant-based. So I think that's for me. And I don't know, Stephanie, if you want to add on something. There's a couple of major aspects for me. The first one is clean meat kills a lot of birds with one stone. There are a lot of government initiatives that are focused on making sure we don't have any disasters in terms of environmental disasters. And also with antibiotics. So the development of superbugs is something that is in the UK and a lot of other governments are focusing on um, trying to combat. Um, and there aren't that many solutions that allow us to combat superbugs um, in such an effective way as taking antibiotics out of meat production. So this is somewhere where clean meat can come in. Uh, we can make meat without having to use antibiotics, which means that the wider scale of people's health, that's going to have a huge impact. Um, I'm somebody who loves eating meat. I see documentaries on the horrible things that happen to animals during meat production. And I also love animals. And it's something that in the past I've had to sort of push out of my mind. Um, uh, but it's always there. You always know it's a negative impact of meat in general. I don't eat chicken anymore because I watched a documentary on it for example um, and so if there is a solution that is able to clear up all of these aspects or all of these problems I think it's one that we have to go down we have to try and find out if we can make it work. Yeah I think to add on that I think most people they don't thinking oh I really don't care about the environment or the animals or anything it's not that people don't care is that it's just it's become a habit people grew up with it and it's the same way as people have lots of bad habits. It's not only a bad habit that people have. And I think it just, it's going to be so difficult to do this as a large scale that having an, something like clean meat that can offer 
a drastic solution is is needed, is necessary. Do you think that in the future we would look into the past and think that eating meat through animal agriculture is comparable to, for example, from a health standpoint at least, looking at smoking cigarettes today? Do you think it'll be that drastic? Well, for one, lots of people still smoke. So I hope we get to a stage where not lots of people consume meat. So I think from that aspect, I think we want to do something that's better because no one's yet found an alternative that's so good that people don't want to smoke anymore. Whereas with clean meat, I think we have the opportunity to do that. I do think it's not even just from a health aspect. It's all the issues that is our environment is causing the animals, all of the more than why did we ever do this? I think it's more why didn't we try and find a solution more earlier on. It's always easy to look back and think, oh God, we should have done this earlier. But you can think that about everything. And I think it's just about now acting and putting more and more into it so that it goes as fast as possible together. How are universities in the UK supporting research in the clean meat field? So we've had help from various universities. We've had Simbi City and Imperial. We've had professors, obviously, David Hay is personally involved from Edinburgh University. We've talked to many, many other professors. I mean, overall, we've had many people open to helping us and giving their time. I think as well, there's a couple of people really giving their full time on us, such as Marianne Ellis and a couple of others through New Harvest. Yeah, I think overall, UK is quite positive and people are really open to clean meats. And we've done as well. I think it's worth adding, not just about universities and people supporting the research, but we've done a couple of surveys on the UK. And quite surprisingly, I mean, our surveys were not just in London, it were overall and throughout the UK. So you're looking at not just the big cities. And we have really, really positive results. I mean, there was, what would you want to eat if it was clean meat or plant-based or, or neither of them? And I think about 50% wanted clean meat. There was about 40% wanting plant-based meat. And then the rest were saying, I wouldn't change. And I really just want my meat. So people were really positive. And that was throughout really the UK. So you're seeing it not just from universities and professors and people that are interested in science, but also the customer is open to it. And just a quick note on the terminology. Do most people understand when you say clean meat and do they differentiate that from plant-based meat? Depends. So I've seen quite a big change. I mean, I started working on this around end of November, December, and in the beginning, no one knew pretty much what clean meat was. And I think we've seen quite a lot of press and a lot of hype in kind of since January. So now more and more people already know what clean meat is. Often they don't differentiate it from plant-based. They see it as together, but not always. And I guess it depends who you're talking to. It depends if you're talking to the average person in the street or if you're talking to scientists that have already, you know, thought about it and followed what's going on. So let's talk a little bit about policy. What kinds of challenges is the clean meat industry facing in terms of policy? And how are the UK policies different than the US policies? And if you're focusing on US distribution at all, how will that be different? So it's quite different. Um, in the US, as far as I'm concerned, they still don't know who's going to regulate them. Whereas in the UK, it's very clear. Even with Brexit, we're going to go through the novel food regulations, which change early January, and now it will take less long. So they're saying it's going to take between 10 months and two years to go through it. It's quite clear what will be the regulations. I think the UK and Europe in general is more strict around GMOs than the US. 
but we know what's going to be regulated. So we're already talking with our lawyers what is going to be the data that we have to collect. And for example, talking to the GFI, they had no idea. And even bigger companies in the US, they still have no idea what data they really need to collect because they don't know how they'll be regulated. Whereas here, it's a lot clearer. Now, in terms of naming, that's where there's a big question mark. We have no idea what will be allowed to name it and what not. There's been a bit of pushback in France, um, more specifically. They've had around plant-based that they're not allowed to call it sausages or burgers or things like that. It doesn't really apply to us the way the regulation is worded, but it's to be determined how exactly we'll be allowed to name it. And we're pushing on that and we're talking to people that are involved in that to see how it can work. But obviously it's going to take some time and it's going to depend how much pushback we have as well from the reg, I mean, the conventional meat industry. Tell us a little bit about how higher stakes is different. What kinds of meat is higher stakes working on? Are you working on ground meat or are you focusing on more complex structures such as clean steaks? Higher stakes is focused initially on creating non-structured meat products. Simply because this will allow us to go to market faster. We do have an R&D plan in place, which will allow us to create more structured meat products, which will include things like steak, um, chicken breast as a structured product, that sort of thing. Before that, uh, we will be producing mince-type products, so things like sausages, for example, from pork. And the reason that we've chosen to go with pork is because pigs are more similar genetically to humans. Um, So this offers us a clear advantage since we're using induced pluripotent stem cells rather than other types of stem cells. And the reason for this is because it gives us the greater possible yield Um, And there are a number of other benefits, such as you don't have to screen every time to make sure the cells don't have a disease, etc. This is important for us to have when we want to adapt these cells for use um, in different types of protocols or when we want to adapt them to use protocols that have been used in humans in the past. Since there's more of a wealth of knowledge around use of human cells, this is going to allow us to move a lot more quickly compared to if we used a different type of animal. We're also focused on developing an entire solution to the manufacture of clean meat. We're not focused on one particular area of it. So, for example, we're not focused on developing new protocols that would take a lot of time to carry out. We're not focused on one area of the manufacturing process. We understand that if you go from a laboratory model to a slightly larger prototype and then to large-scale manufacturing, the cell biology sometimes doesn't respond exactly how you want it to respond and you can run into big problems. So we're focusing on the entire manufacturing process from start to finish from the beginning. And we're also building an intelligent bioprocess platform, which will be automated to allow us to keep track of what the cells are doing. We have a lot of questions coming in regarding the types of scaffolds that are being used, FBS alternatives and clean serum. And most importantly, where are clean meat startups currently getting their samples? Are they going to farmers and facilitating partnerships with farmers? Or is it are these samples something that you can order out of a scientific catalog? So when you're in the research phase of researching using clean meat, the current opinion is that you are able to use cells that you gain, for example, from a scientific catalogue or that you obtain through an academic institution, for example. Or in the case of IPSC, you might have commissioned another company or have created them in-house. 
this is okay as long as you're in the research phase. Once you go into commercialization of clean meat, there'll be regulations around this that make it a lot more stringent. And you'll need to pay, for example, if you are using induced potent cells, you'll need to pay a Yamanaka license. So you'd have to pay a Yamanaka license once you want to commercialize these cells. At what point before commercialization, you'd have to pay a Yamanaka license is unknown, but certainly before you start to commercialize them, you would have to pay for that. So overall, basically, you can you can bring in your cells from any source as long as you believe that they and you have you know stringently tested them to make sure that they are what you think they are um, they don't have any abnormalities etc you can use them to carry out your scientific research to make sure that your processes work but the moment you want to produce clean meat you have to make you'll have to go through extra regulations which are currently unclear how open are other clean meat initiatives when it comes to sharing information and intellectual property? It seems like the industry is in a big race. Is this something that's true? Do you feel like that? And is there collaboration between the different startups? I think it depends on what. So I think most companies talk to each other and I've talked to probably the majority of companies out there but we don't exchange information on things that are the most important. I think the one where I've seen the most collaboration is around regulation, just because it benefits us all if we all go through regulations. But I think you have to keep some information private and the way things are structured, you have to keep your own IP. I think in terms of race, it's a bit of a dangerous idea to call it like that, just because you really, you're working with a product that's really cheap, right? I mean, for now, no, but we want to get it to a stage where it's going to be really cheap. And the goal, even if you get to one restaurant, that's not going to mean you're making billions of dollars, right? What's going to mean you making billions of dollars is succeeding over the long term and having something that's safe, something that's sustainable, something that's robust and that can really, really scale in masses. And for that, it doesn't work to waste too much. You have to think carefully and make sure there's not going to be any product recalls and not going to be any issues at the start. So I think talking about it in terms of a race is dangerous, but that doesn't mean everyone should share everything. For things such as regulation, I think it's absolutely important to work as a whole. For things when it becomes more private, talking about specific protocols, specifics and how are you reducing media costs, what is your exact process, what is your scaffold, uh, what type of bioreactors, all these things have to be um, proprietary to the company. Now, what we've seen happen in the medical industry is that a lot of pharma companies are quickly patenting and then being very open and transparent. This is not generally to help other companies, but more around being transparent with the public. And we really want to avoid something like what happened with the GMOs happening again, right? I think with the companies mature, it could get to a stage where once we make sure that our idea is protected really well, then we can share it so that other people don't have to start from scratch. They just maybe pay a small amount to license us or or things that are a lot more easier and that will allow transparency with the public on what we do. We're always interested in collaborating where we feel like it's going to add value to the company, allow everyone to reach the goal of getting to higher stakes as quickly as possible. But we do need to be careful when it comes to protecting our IP. And that is something that all clean meat companies are probably going to be quite aware of when they're going forward. Yeah, I think adding on collaboration, I think 
we're constantly on the look on like what are the best technologies out there and if we feel like a technology that's existing is better than what we could ever do then that's amazing whether that's another cleaning company or that's a different company so I think collaborations are extremely important we're finding at the moment is that some people are more open to collaborating and some companies are very much so against it so I think everybody has their own their own sort of ideas about the best way to go about commercializing clean meat. Where we stand is kind of in the middle where obviously there is some information we keep private but we're also kind of open to helping out and making the community as a whole advance. What are you most excited about and looking forward to in this coming year when it comes to the clean meat space? This year, at the beginning of this year anyway, people really started to understand more. I mean, the public in general started to understand more that there are other options apart from eating meat out there. I think everybody's waiting with bated breath for clean meat to come onto the market. Um, So what we're really excited about seeing is further public involvement, people asking us more questions, the people becoming more aware of clean meat so that we can see the future sort of shaping itself and, and the public becoming more open to the idea of it. I think in terms of our company specifically, we're really excited to really get things going and be able to expand our team, do all all our plans and actually be able to execute on everything and move forward. You can get in touch with Benjamina and Stephanie on LinkedIn and learn more about Higher Stakes at www.higherstakes.com. And that's stakes with a S-T-E-A-K-S spelling. Benjamina and Stephanie, do you have any last insights for our listeners today? Sure. We're, we're planning to start launching some events. Um, initially, they'll be in the UK and possibly some other areas in the UK where we can talk about clean meat more. We're, we're looking forward to inviting people there because we want to understand what people's opinions are of clean meat um, further. Hopefully, we'll be coming to the US to plan some of those dates as well. And we'd love people to join. So if they want to pop us an email, then we can let them know when they're coming up. Yeah, I think just to add in terms of insight and how people can get involved, as a company, we're facing so many massive challenges. And I mean, the technical one is the one that we personally feel we can solve. And I think it's always helpful if just any listener that goes and that talks about it to like five of their friends and tells them to talk about it to five more friends and not necessarily our company, but it just in general about clean meat and educating people. Because I found most of the time, even people that are reluctant to clean meat initially, once you explain to them the advantages, once you explain to them why we're doing what we're doing, I don't see consumer acceptance as a massive challenge. I think it is a challenge, but I think doing it in the right way, it won't become a challenge by the time we come to market. And I think that's where anyone can help because anyone can go and educate people and explain to them why this is important. On top of that, there's, I mean, it's a really interdisciplinary subject. There's so many factors involved. And I think, I mean, personally, that's one of the things that really excites me about it. On top of an impact, I mean, on a personal level, it's just, there's so many factors to it. And that means that anyone would, I mean, there's so many backgrounds that are important to it. So I don't think someone should get discouraged because they're not scientific. Now, I think there's a big advantage if you're the CEO, and obviously, if you're the CSO, you have to be scientific. But there are many, many other roles that are non-scientific where you can bring a lot to companies like us. Benjamina and Stephanie, thank you so much for being with us today and sharing your story and the higher stick story on the Cultured Meat and Future Food podcast. Thank you. Thank you for having us.
Thanks. This is your host, Alex, and we look forward to being with you on our next episode.